Mr. Madison, what you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> it's never felt more relevant. Yeah. Uh, that's a fantastic <laughs> moment. You know, it's easy to forget uh, now, and I, I was younger, so maybe it wasn't as brilliant as I remember, but when I first saw that, they set that moment up so brilliantly that that puppy you know, story that was told to him yeah. is coming full circle, the way movies yeah, do. Sure. Like you build to this moment. The callback is right. Oh, my God, look, he used his brain. He applied it. What a beautiful moment. And that's still there. But to then answer it with that speech, I feel like is what that's the most brilliant <laughs> moment in Billy Madison for sure. That's just such he's, a great. He's now it's so bummed iconic, out. Yes. <laughs> and then, yeah, even his response, out. that simple, no, what is the fact? How many know, times okay. have I quoted that? That's, uh, that's awesome. My sister used um, to quote that so much. Um, so but good. yeah, we are all now dumber. For having heard everything, yeah, we all of us <laughs> yeah, right everything. now between COVID, uh, everything going on, it's uh, you know the world's on fire. Um, I wish Trump there were points. COVID. There were there, uh, you know, in that one there were points points awarded yeah, based on what true. you do. If there were true. a point system, maybe this would all be better. Uh, um, but anyway, well, welcome. It's this is time. episode thirty-one. We're doing. We're in right our thirties. I feel better than ever. Okay. <laughs> um, so, you know, I feel healthy, good to right. go. Hopefully this is not a reflection of my own personal 30s because, you know, 31 and 32, I was flying high. I was ready to go. Really? And is that what happened? crashing okay. down. I don't think I've ever gotten <laughs> fully back to that point. I didn't know that was so the turning point for you. <laughs> I, I hope we have more than just two more good podcasts before it crashes down. Well, I just drank a uh, an emergency with CBD oil in it, so I feel like I'm real Ooh. real ready Ooh, for the, you. really ready for the day. Um, and I had a decaf coffee, so we're in the exact <laughs> same spot right now. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm balancing it with, with coffee. Uh, oh boy! Do you know? Before we get into the movies, let's talk yeah, a little shit. Sure. Um, I uh, this is totally irrelevant to anything. I have no way to wedge this into what, anything we're talking about. But sure. Jess and I went to Smart and Final this weekend. Cool. Do you know that motherfucking Smart and Final is called Smart and Final because the gentleman who dis- founded it, their last names were Smart and Final. I'm not kidding. No fucking yeah, way. I'm not kidding. It's it's on the wall, and then I looked it up. And now between finding out that Ralph's is named after a guy whose last name is Ralph's, that's why it doesn't have an exclamation mark, oh, and, and Smart and Final is named after the last names of a guy named Mr. Smart and Mr. Final, I my whole mind, I don't understand what's going on. Nothing makes sense anymore. That's very this is bizarre. A reflection of this. I, what I'm the with fuck? you. This is definitely some shit. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, is yeah. This weird. is not movies, but uh, it is shit. <laughs> anyway, uh, I gotta start oh. writing down some shit to talk about because <laughs> so there's weird. always yeah. something weird to talk about. I'm bringing a lot of shit to yeah. this to this podcast. Um, well, what's going on movie wise, man? Uh, what's happening? I, I've been watching a, a little bit. Um, there's uh, definitely a strong theme in what I've been watching, which is mostly horror. Um, yeah, it's Halloween time. I was just talking to Jess yeah. last night. I was like, we got to start revving up this month of spooky stuff. Like, we, this is the time to do it. And I don't feel like doing it any other time of the year. Absolutely. Well, let me blow through a few. And then if you have any suggestions on, on some other Definitely. horror, that would be good. But um, but I watched uh, Let the Right One In uh, for the Ooh. first time. I had never oh. seen it. 
And so, oh, what did you think? Th- I very much enjoyed it, but it also, to oh. me, isn't really horror. It's it's that wonderful yeah. horror, you know, yep. genre that we like. But it, it's what we like. It really didn't um, jump out as horror to me. It was mostly uh, just a, a really kind of beautiful movie about. Yeah, it's like a beautiful uh, character piece, right? Yeah, like about, about people. Yeah. So I uh, really enjoyed that. Um, I love that movie. The Lodge, which is a new-ish horror movie that, that right before COVID was like or maybe end of last year was going to be in theaters and maybe it was, I forget. Um, but now it's on Hulu or something like that. And the lodge is, um, you'll have to, I'll have to see if you agree with this because Lori brought this up. The genre of horror is so tough because obviously we talk about horror and there's so many subgenres and there's so many, um, different, different tones of horror, but for sure in this case, it had a really good trailer about this, um, kind of family that goes out to a lodge in the dead of winter and uh the dad leaves the kids there with uh his new girlfriend that they don't like because she's kind of replacing their i think late mother or something like that and so that's kind of the premise and um but this is just like the ari aster movies in that um they're very different tone but plot wise it's this same subgenre of horror that laurie called (laughs) It's just fucked up shit. Just fucked up shit happens to people. <laughs> yeah. And there's yeah. not, I don't, I don't even call that horrific because you're, it's hard to even put yourself in that position. The The movie is basically saying, oh, wouldn't this be horrific if this happened to you? Yeah. Is yeah. kind of the premise. And I guess that's the premise of a lot of horror, but this is so specific of like a person goes on a journey and gets caught up with people that they don't really you know, yeah. have control yeah. over, and then those people do and shit to them. Bad things and, happen, and ex- yeah, exactly. Like ungodly, unbelievable, terrible things happen, and you're like, well, this isn't even coming from a place of, 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 of like kind of creative horror. It's just coming from a place of like, wow, people are really evil, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they do bad things, and then the movie ends. You know, it's like that's so. It's this fucked up shit genre that. um that I'm not a fan of. I don't really like the Ari Aster movies much. I was going to say, I don't I have, I have get a couple thoughts. Out of it. I don't want to. I don't, don't want to step on your toes. Go ahead, jumping no, no. on you. And obviously, yeah. I haven't seen this, but please. Go one, uh, yeah, I think there's a time, I guess, and a place for these movies. You and I have both many times on the record said horror is our least favorite genre. It's mm-hmm. the thing we're least up on, but we've yeah. still seen a right. bunch just because right. we love movies and we've seen a ton of stuff. But um, this is a genre that. I will visit, but I'm probably going to visit very, very seldomly. Mm-hmm. So the fact that there are like enough of these movies to call it like a subgenre, it's sort of like, how sort often of am it. I going to go there? I mean, even with like horror, which I don't go to as much, yeah. there's a lot of horror that I will go to more often than that. I mean, how often do you want to put yourself in that headspace of like, yeah, remember when all that horrendous <laughs> yeah. shit went? And also, you can get a dose of this. There is a subgenre of this within comedy. And it's called the Ben Stiller subgenre. Oh. <laughs> there, there was a stretch of about ten to fifteen years. Remember, like something about Mary. Every, everything and that it, happened. Yes, kind of. It's yeah, just like yeah. you sit there and you watch, and you're uh, kind of like, God, this. Like, it's funny. It's funny as shit. That stuff. Like, there's a lot of great moments to this but, person. Uh, but yeah. you get fatigued during those movies, mm-hmm. or at least I did. Maybe I'm just a bleeding heart. But you get to a point where you're just like, I just feel bad for this guy at this point. I'm chuckling, but it's awful. This is an so. excellent analogy the the and i wouldn't even say it's just ben stiller but obviously like cable guy is ben stiller directed and then you got yeah you got jim carrey in me myself and irene that's another one where it's just like 
he's a nice guy <laughs> and just sh- bad shit keeps happening to him and that's where the comedy comes from and it's it's a little even though I, I actually really love me myself and Irene but it it's just yeah, like unfortunate you're just like eh, okay you know there's there's not it's not fair it's not a fair yeah. world I don't know. And, yeah, and I just think yeah, it's fatigue is what you come away from it. I think there's a, there's definitely an artistry to it. I mean, sure. you know, it can be done well and it's very effective and in terms of just like, you know, experiencing life in films, that's yeah. that is something. I I would say I feel like this I guess it started earlier than this, but it feels like that genre, sort of subgenre sort of became relevant in the 70s when you know there's a lot of for all the we talk about the 70s just this this decade in film especially for american film that people look at as just kind of like artistry right before it like spun the other way when spielberg came in and started making audience pictures for the whole family again and made them blockbusters again there was this decade that if you read a lot with film historians and reviews and stuff where it seemed like I don't know. I guess they're they're very revered. They're they're maybe not ones you yeah. want to sit down and watch very often, like Taxi Driver. You're not going to pop in every Tuesday, um, and stuff like that. Chinatown, you know, um, French Connection, all these movies, but they're all considered kind of classics. And I feel like the '70s was very much kind of a reflection of like decaying society, right? It's like you know, all our big cities, New York and stuff, high crime rates, like very disillusioned from Vietnam and stuff. So I, I almost feel like there was more of a place for it then. I, I guess now we're kind of back into that headspace of like reflecting. Maybe that's why like these things are relevant uh, yeah. again. But um, but I, I was just going to say in 1973, there's a movie called Don't Look Now. I don't know if you've ever seen that one with uh, uh, no, Julie Christie. And um, it's got um, Donald Sutherland. And it it's very much a movie that it's built like a regular horror movie, but in actuality, it's, it's more just like you said, like what if this, these terrible things happen to you? It's a couple and they're in love, but they're dealing with the death of a child, which, Mm -hmm. you know, you never really get over. So you get these little flashbacks and you find out they've, they've gone to Venice. They're on this vacation, but the man, I think it's the dad. I can't, I've only watched it once. I'm not going to watch it again, but either the, the father or the wife. And I think it's the father. So I think it's Donald Sutherland. He keeps seeing this little child in in like a red rain jacket. Just oh, okay. running through Venice Farway, and he keeps chasing it because their kid died in like a red rain jacket drowned. It's like he's hallucinating the whole time. You think he's hallucinating, or it's a ghost. It's this kid calling him. All these things, right? Because right. this terrible thing has happened. And spoiler alert: if you haven't seen this movie from 1973, um, he ultimately at the very end finds, like, follows this kid into this like abandoned building, kind of corners him. The kid turns around. It's not only not his kid or a ghost; it is randomly a a dwarf like a disfigured like dwarf that just happens to have been running through the city. It has nothing to do with any of the other stuff in a red jacket, but it caught his attention and he knifes the dad to death. Oh God. And you, and you leave the movie and you're kind of like, all right, this is super random and pretty stupid. You know what I mean? But ultimately (laughs) all it is is like, what if that terrible thing happened to you? And when you're obsessed with it, another random terrible thing happened and you were, and the whole time you're hearing little reports of a serial killer running through Venice. Right. And it's this little dwarf in this outfit because he's compelled by this terrible thing that happened to him. Another terrible thing happens to him and he dies. And I leave a movie like that, even though that movie is really well done. Like it, like it's a very well done and it's considered a horror classic. And I'm just like, who gives a shit about this? Like, yeah. this is the most random bullshit. If you pulled this, these kind of plot points in something other than horror, yeah. people would be like, well, that's pretty dumb. So you know, dumb. like that's yeah. a random thing that wasn't Which earned. Which is and- a good, I would say, is a good explanation or kind of an analysis of how it seems like Ari Aster functions also. He tells these stories and I think a lot of us go, 
why tell that story? What is yeah, right, right. what is it about that story about those people that you think is going to connect with people? And I mean, some people love him and those yeah. movies. I mean, and I some people are just so into the genre. Kind of new. He's new, you know, a couple of movies. But right. I I, uh, I do want to mention some other horror because our Bond watching group that finished Bond has transitioned into Halloween. You know, like. Watching uh, yes. horror movies oh, yeah, for yeah, Halloween. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So basically, these are this is the order of movies that we're watching, and the premise was that we we all voted on what we wanted to watch next, and we decided let's just do a few weeks, like up until Halloween, let's do a few weeks of horror movies. I like that. But there are six of us in the group, and so everyone pick one that you haven't seen that's like considered mm. a classic. Oh, nice, man! And it turned out that oh, even though we chose seven because we did one group pick, also we're doing seven weeks. I've only seen one of these. So the first week nice. we did Nightmare on Elm Street. Never saw that. Yeah. Psycho yeah. was the next week. I had seen that. And right. all the rest of these I had never seen. We did Children of the Corn on Friday. I've never oh, seen that. Next one. week is Night of the Living Dead. The following the, week is the, the original. original. Yeah. Nice. The next week is Creep Show. The next week is The Exorcist. And the following week is Friday the 13th. I've never seen any of those. So I've never seen Creep Show of mm-hmm. that list. So I don't really right. know that one. Um, and and I've never seen any of the rest of those you named other than Psycho more than once. You okay, because there's it. just sure. a big thing of I want to check off everything that I need Do to it, see, but not. But a lot of things I'm it, never yeah. returning to. Yeah, and obviously, yeah. Psycho is a classic, and I've watched it in film class sure. a bunch of times, and I think it's one of the all time. I love Psycho. Movies. Yeah, sure. But I mean, it's just you know it doesn't scare you as much anymore because it's dated, but that's it's great. still yeah. so perfectly put together. Right. Um, that's uh, that's cool, so man. That's the that's, list. I'm We're envious that. of yeah. that. That's a really cool thing to do and to so kind of discover. When was the last stuff. time you saw Children of the Corn? <laughs> so when I was a little kid, okay. and, and and to be perfectly honest with you, I watched it too early when I had no yeah. interest in any horror movies. Yeah, didn't want to yeah. watch it. Creeped me out big time. I have seen segments on TV since where it's uh-huh. just kind of corny. There's a lot of Stephen King stuff from like it's the 80s so and stuff. So fucking corny. That's so corny now. Yeah. And, and that's part of the reason that I'm interested in. They're redoing The Stand. And uh-huh. I don't know if you ever watched the TV movie no, I for The Stand. But same as it. It's like... Some of this stuff, I'm not to say that there isn't scary imagery, and when you were a kid, you'd probably still be scared, but yeah. some of it is just dated, you know, a lot, right. and it's just very, very well, corny in '80s. And Children of the Corn feels stuff. very uh, simpatico to uh, uh, Pet Cemetery, the original, which I watched oh, last yeah. year. Oh, yeah, they're kind of two sides of the same like genre and and era and type of filmmaking right. and everything. It- it's um, more fun when you find one of those, like, um, I don't know if you ever uh, saw Maximum Overdrive. No. But it's more fun when you find a Stephen King one that was always a little wacky and ridiculous. Right, like, right. Christine's another one where the car is just killing people. Because See, that's if fun. You, yeah, yeah. If you veer into that, then even when it dates poorly, you uh-huh. know, and it becomes corny, it, like, it doesn't matter. Sure. Because it, it just weaves right. Like, Maximum Overdrive is literally just vehicles just come to life cool. and they're all like military vehicles come and start shooting bullets at people, you know, cool. and they're trying cool. to kill people. Yeah. And there's never an explanation. In fact, they kind of present two explanations <laughs> and don't choose which one. Sure. It's like a meteor was going overhead, but also there was this other thing and they never explain it. But, um, I was going to say, Oh, for night of the living dead, man. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, if you made me do a top hundred movies list, right. And yep. I'm, I, horror is going to be the most underrepresented, yep. but psycho would be on my list. And the original Night of the Living Dead would be on my list. Cool. So there'd probably only be two more. I'd probably have three or four horror yeah. movies. Um, and I that's just me. That's my personal taste. But um, so that's cool that you're seeing that one. It, obviously, now we've got zombies that run 100 miles per hour right. and all these things. But I, but I still think there's something about that movie and um, kind of introducing what we think of as a zombie yeah. now. Where we moved from like 
really the Weekend at Bernie's zombie where there was somebody <laughs> who did like magic and brought someone to life sure. to like these living dead coming up and, and that became a whole subgenre. I'm excited for that mainstream. one so, uh, just yeah. because it's a, such a classic that I And it's I don't indie, know. you know, and they just right. put it together and there's a there's a really cool story behind it. Um, Birth of the Living Dead is a fantastic documentary if you ever get a chance to watch oh, about, it, which I like better than making of it, any or? of those movies. Yeah, yeah. It's oh. about the whole series kind of Shit. and cool. how that movie got shown a ton because um, – they they basically forgot to copyright it. Like essentially they made that movie and then they didn't put a little tab on a screen, which was as simple as it was back then. Right. You had to stamp it on your film. And because right. they didn't do that, it became a thing that could be shown for free and oh. started being shown. And, and it's so funny because, you know, they're talking to the director and everybody else. And they're like, obviously at the time we're all like, we're fucking idiots and yeah. we've lost all this money. And ultimately he's like, does the movie helped. ever get known without that? And yeah. he's like, no. And we all went on to make sequels and money and That's be hilarious. filmmakers. And it's like this weird error that ended up probably, I don't know if we, any of us would know that movie now. Who knows right. if zombies would even be a thing. So pretty cool little. That's quite, quite interesting. I, I'm into that. Um, I'm going to hit on a couple other movies I just watched and then we'll go through whatever you got. Um, cool. Rewatched Orange County and uh, it holds up great. I love Orange so County good. so much. I rewatched um, that like maybe six months ago. Ugh. Same same thought. I was just I, like, man, I just, I'm so happy Every it's still beat, good. I was just like laughing and, and maybe it's just because it's so close to me. Like I really, really, really right, love right. it. But uh, but it really it didn't feel like super dated or corny. It it really a lot of that con- and it but mostly just the cast. Like the cast is insane. Well, the cast is all star. But it also it probably helps uh, if we're being honest that it's it's both of our generation. Like yeah. even if something is like older, when you lived through it, like yeah. it's kind of like can't hardly wait to me. Like okay, I'm not sure. saying that that movie should hold up as much as it sure. does for me. But it's like I'm like well that I knew every character, it every was stereotype in that movie. Part of us, yeah, yeah. At my high school, so that's, that's awesome, man. I love that movie. Um, um, I watched uh, Primal, which is that Nick Cage movie on Amazon. Still Did haven't you, gotten around to that one. It's, I think it actually is on Hulu now. I think maybe they moved from one to one. Yeah, anyways, it's on Hulu, and uh, it's Nick Cage as a as an animal kind of wrangler out in the wilderness, and he has no permits for it, so he just steals animals out of the wilderness yeah. and then sells them to zoos. But the whole movie is just him going from like whatever country he caught these animals into uh, uh, Puerto Rico or wherever he's going to offload them. So he's on a ship. So it's a stuck in the ship movie uh, along with like a bunch of other bad people. And it's, you know, the animals get out and everything. And so it's, it's, it's very entertaining, but it's like, it seems like it's a first time director, first time cinematographer, maybe first time editor. It's like this team of people that uh, possibly foreign. I didn't really look them up, but they are, um, they're doing a serviceable job, but every element of it, uh, the color of the movie is really super desaturated and you're just like, come on, why you got this ship and all these animals and everything. Yeah. And it just, a lot of the creative choices are not great. Um, but that being said, it's Nick Cage and Famke Jansen and she's, fine. Hey, she's, right. she's nothing special in it. Nick Cage though is always, I think yeah, good. Come on. Um, whatever he's doing is fine with me. Yeah, um, and, uh, yeah, there, there's just really some great stuff in it. And, uh, and it's far better than money plane. So that's all that matters. <laughs> well, yeah, will be. Nick Cage is interesting because you, I never know. And I really think it's 50, 50. There's a blend of this. I never know whether he's this cool dude who's like, yeah, I found these young filmmakers. Mm-hmm. It might not be good, but they're taking a shot. I'm going to be in it. I want, I want to be a part of the artistry. That's it's my vote. half that. 
and it's absolutely some. I have money. no money. money. <laughs> I, owe th- I owe money on three houses, and I've got to hey, take. Man, and it, you never it can be know both. which one. It can be both. Yeah, you don't know which one. And and there is a balance. I guarantee you, it's not a hundred percent one or the uh, other. So that's Lori and I talked for a long time about this because she's like, I don't think he's a good actor, and I was like, that's insane. That's insane. I was <laughs> yeah. I was like, he's an well, amazing actor, and I was like. If you put, I realize that he's in a lot of bad movies, but the fact Adaptation, is, leaving Las Vegas, there's too many and a uh, Matchstick Man. I I threw out oh those God, three, yeah. and I was just like, those yeah. three alone, he's he's dude. Vampires Kiss, top notch, top top notch. I, I, I understand people maybe not don't like that movie or that movie's too over the top, but he's playing a person having a mental breakdown right. about right, as right, right. well, like right. it's over the top, but it's fantastic. All these other movies that he's in that are you know inexpensive or shitty or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, I really do believe that he is um, he's self-aware enough to know what he's doing, why he's doing it. And obviously there's a money component to some extent, but you said it, which is he's a lot of times probably taking a chance on these filmmakers. We tend to, you know, when we see a poster of like a shitty C movie starring Nick Cage, we tend to like roll our eyes and go, oh, he's doing another one of those. But the reality of it Mm -hmm. probably I'd like to think is that he saw these guys and he, you know, saw this script. And even though this might be a little like egocentric, without me, this movie goes nowhere. With me, this movie gets yeah. an automatic buy to Amazon. Like automatically, they will buy it and they will show it. And these guys will make their money back. Or the production company, in theory, will make their you know money back. And I'll get X amount of dollars, whatever his rate is. You know, so the, without him, these movies are dead in the water. Um, For sure. With him. They still might be shitty, but they're probably better than whoever else was going to be in it. Yeah, and they're and automatically going to gonna be successful with it, to some right? Like, so that's I think that's I th- yeah, that's what I am saying. Like we need to give him credit for what he's doing and why he's doing it. Um, and, and you so know, I, Samuel L. Jackson does this too. He, he's similar. another guy. He yeah. said, if if you let, if you come to me, if you yeah. can get to me, because he's yeah. got yeah. obviously people around him, and you right. come to me and you and you uh, offer me something that I have never done, uh-huh. right? then I will do your movie. Yeah. He's basically like, yeah. like um, they let him be the president in that movie where he just, I don't know if you saw the one where the plane crashes and he's in the woods and he's running around. It's like a foreign no. film. And the ki- a kid with a bow and arrow who's literally out on like hunting really? ends up having to defend him from like, you know, terrorists that are trying to take him down. But, and I don't, I'm sorry, I didn't research this cause I didn't think no. this would come up. Uh-huh. I don't remember the name, but he, he did that movie because right. like, well, I've never been the president. <laughs> and like, when you think about it, that's kind of cool. That the decision making. Like, yeah, I'll be fascinating. Movie. Yeah. I love yeah, it. Anyway, it's we got to give funny. him credit for stuff like that. Um, the last movie I saw, which was in the theater last night, which is a, a new movie, um, an honest to God, current new movie that is only in theaters, um, is an, a little indie called Kajillion air. Have you heard of it? I don't know anything um, about that one. I hadn't watched the trailer, but I knew vaguely kind of sort of who was in it and maybe the background of the director-writer. But um, super enjoyed it. I, I uh, expected it to be ho-hum indie movie um, okay. where I'd be like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. But I actually really enjoyed it. And um, uh, I, I don't even think I want to really explain what it is or whatever, but it it is... Cajillionaire. Um, Cajillionaire, yeah, it is a a good indie movie that's very obscure. Um, you know, you have to put on your like 2005 hat where there were those indie movies that were very bizarre. 
Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's, yeah, there was it's, a real era for that in the yeah. early 2000s where it was like... This is what Laurie said is like, this era <laughs> happened yeah. a while ago. Yeah, it's <laughs> not true. Really, and then we moved back. We're yeah. not there anymore. <laughs> but this movie you know, got made. And that's the beauty of it is like, how yeah. often does that happen anymore? But this one is good. That is interesting because I feel like the, those stopped because we oversaturated them. And for a while, yep. it was like any indie had to just kind of be a bizarre off the wall. Right. Like if you could right. do that, that's what it was. And, and some of that, I think, was like the success of big films in like 99 2000 also that were really kind of kind of off the wall too like yeah. uh, um when you had like being john malkovich and yep. things like that you know what i mean like things like that are so well done yep but i think like it became like okay it's got to be like super creative man it's got to be like totally out there yes. you know what i mean that kind of thing so that is interesting that it got that's made. a good I would definitely malkovich it. and uh punch drunk love these are all ones that fit into this same kind of category of mm-hmm. uh kind of uh, you know obscure obscure right. uh, you know dark comedy almost but anyways um check that out if you get a chance i don't know for sure uh, if you'll go to the movies but that's pretty much everything i've watched recently so uh hit me with what you got yeah let me just say before i jump into mine um just because i mentioned it and i looked it up here uh the movie with samuel l it's called big game okay like as in like big game what year was that uh 2014 so pretty recent yeah yeah um and the description is a young teenager camping in the woods helps rescue the president of the united states when air force one is shot down near his campsite this is a great Uh, idea again he's armed with a bow and arrow the kid is like 13 it's like a coming of age (laughs) thing i love um samuel l is in it uh i don't know if you know victor garber he was on um, alias alias is dad Ray Stevenson plays like the villain. He was one of the many uh, Punishers that's been in mm-hmm. those movies since none of them have really worked. Um, and the director is Jalmari Hellander. So again, it's it's not anybody you would necessarily know. Um, right. He did Rare Exports. I don't know if you'll know that one, but that but there's funny. you know it's not it's not a thing that you would think of Samuel L. being sure. in. <clears throat> and he was in it kind of for that reason. So kind of cool. Um, in terms of what we've seen or I've seen uh, over the last week or two. Um, same thing, kind of embracing the horror thing. Uh, yeah. I showed uh, Jess an American Werewolf in London for the first time. Cool, I've never seen, seen that, that one. No. That, it, man, if you get a chance, if you're still looking to watch stuff, that's a really entertaining. It's a quick watch. It's 90 minutes. It's tight. There's nothing wasted. It is one of the originators, in my opinion, of the horror comedy. Cool. You know what I mean? Like, it's still full horror, but it is completely aware of its ridiculousness yeah. and leaning into it. And, um, it's 1981, so it's, you know, it, again, it's kind of early in that way. And the 80s, I think, were really the buckets of blood horror anyway. I mean, sure. Friday the 13th. Halloween kind of gave way to this, but uh, you just saw Nightmare on Elm Street. I think, like, that was the time when they were like, no more subtlety. Let's just throw buckets of blood at the screen. Um, mm-hmm. And what's fun about American Werewolf in London is it does that. But, it's again, it's also there's a total wink kind of in a nod. Um, Jess ended up loving it, which is a, a, a good indicator to me that I'm not completely off base on that stuff. Cause she doesn't <laughs> sure, love horror sure. either. And if it's not fun, she don't want to watch it, but if yep. it's fun, then she'll totally check it out. She just watched ready or not and loved it. You know, Oh but it yeah. Needs, that's, that's it a needs good one. to be yeah. that like the hunt. Like we talked so about, fun. which is so fun. Yeah. Yeah. Gives you more of a kick. I think that's a good call. Just like, and, just if it's fun, then I'll do it. There's so much right. horror. That's not fun. And yeah, yeah. You come uh, away and it's just heavy, man. Life is heavy uh, enough right now. Yeah. Um, we also watched here are two, and these are if there there should be a genre at this point that's just called Netflix, like the genre <laughs> of Netflix movies. These are fully that, but um, but of that genre, I probably enjoyed them as much as anything I've seen. Have you seen the Babysitter or the second one, Babysitter Killer Queen? No. Have you seen either of those? Okay, so um, these flicks uh, are. Again, they're both Netflix movies. They were made over the last like two or three years, I okay. guess. Uh, Samara is it Samara Weaving? 
um, who I, I just know. mentioned from Ready or Not. Um, I think that's her name. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. She was also in the Bill and Ted. Right. Um, she's very good. Yeah. She, so she's the babysitter in these. Okay. Um, it, it's – they're unusual movies, man. Like – it's a full horror thing. It's a sort of demonic cult thing, but she's the babysitter that's taking care of this kid during uh-huh. the night when all this stuff happens. Or is she? There's kind of like an element of that. And then the sequel sort of brings it back. I don't want to go too much into plot because yeah. I, I don't think I can talk about these without giving them away. But they're a lot of fun. They're 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 truly fun horror. They're comedy horror. That's um, great. I, I'll put and, them on my list, yeah. And I like them. I wish there weren't so many of these kinds of moves, movies made. <laughs> I, I think the Netflix era, what it's done is it's – there's so many movies, right? Yeah. But it's never been harder to cipher through them to get to the really good stuff. And I yeah. think that's kind of the problem. That's why people just scroll and scroll and scroll. Um, yeah. I think it used to be there was less stuff, and I like that there's more stuff. But you could also count on more things, I think, mm-hmm. being – at least they're not bad. It's just they're, there's less that's great. It, it, you mm-hmm. leave – I think more times than not, you leave saying, well, that was good. That's like it was – it would have been fine if I didn't see it. It was fine. Yeah. It wasn't anything right. special. These ones are kind of the top end of that, whatever okay. that area is. But if there weren't so many other ones, I would probably be promoting these more. <laughs> like sure. there weren't so many other ones. Sure. Like, hey, check this out. This is unique. This is cool. Um, but we watched those. That was a that was a fun thing to do. Um, the other thing we did, which is not horror related, but just like your crowd, we finally finished our Bond uh, marathon. Nice. It's going, been going on a little longer than yours, yeah. but we finished with um, Never Say Never Again. Okay. Sure. So what was what was cool about it was as much as that's like an '80s off the wall. Uh, Irving Kirshner thing. Yeah. Um, we finished Spectre. So we yep. finished up the Craigs. And then basically, Jess uh, revealed to me that uh, from Thunderball, when I told her it was a remake, she was like, well, it's been so long, I don't really remember that one. Let's just double feature them and let's watch Thunderball and then basically the Thunderball remake. Uh-huh. I've never seen ever again. We watched both of them. It ended. And I said, which one did you like better? And she said, I mean, obviously Thunderball. <laughs> she was like, <laughs> never seen ever again. It's pretty ridiculous. But she was like, but they're equally fun. And she's yeah. like, and you could argue that never seen ever again is just as entertaining, if not more, just because right. it's newer and everything else. Um, but what was cool about it is I told her, I was like, you know, we're finishing this marathon with the only Bond movie um, that sort of assumes that this is Bond's last mission. He's old. He's leaving uh-huh. the service. Very old, they yeah. called him back in. Yeah, he's very old. very old. And and he's saying never again is literally the ending. And yes. I know they kind of winks at the camera and says never see yeah, never again. Yeah. But, but you know, you're not going to ever get that again, really. I mean, maybe. Now, maybe they'll close them up now. Maybe Daniel Craig will have a last mission and they'll reboot it each time like Batman. Right. But it, until now, it's always been Bond lives in the present kind of forever. A continuation. Yeah, yeah, he just goes. He yeah. just keeps doing missions and there's nothing else to think it about. It is a weird um, button on on the Bond story in that one. And he, right. he really is. There's so much, you know, in that movie that's, you know. <laughs> You're yeah. you're old. You're you're not. You're not even the same so generation old. as us anymore. Yeah, you, just, you know what's funny though? I thought about this for the first time watching it. That movie came out the same year as Octopussy. <laughs> sure, it did. Octopussy yeah. to me is is as bad a Bond movie as there could be. Like, I think with that's the, true. The circus on, on the rewatch and recently, and I was like, oh, this is awful. the most dog shit Bond movie awful. I think ever. I mean, I think people think of that movie as Roger Moore's last one even more than a view to a kill. Cause both of those, he's super old also. And he seems like he stayed too long. Such a down note. <laughs> oh my God. So it's so bad. bad. Um, at least a view to a kill has 
um, the Fun craziness stuff. of walking yeah. and right. stuff like that. But um, Octopussy is so bad that when you compare that, like where we were in 83 and what you're trying to do with Bond and how you've got older guys and you're in, an, you're in the generation of like one man army muscle man action, which clearly I think Bond sort of struggled with. Like suddenly Sly Stallone and Arnold were here and they were doing yeah, commando and stuff. Thing, and yeah. I think Bond didn't really, even though they kind of originated the action genre, they didn't know what to do. When I think about that, never say never immediately gets better <laughs> to me. Like sure. when I think about Octo, sure. okay, same year. Here's what the the official Bond was oh, doing, there's, there's which no should question. have been better. I mean, no um, question. Yeah. yeah, and they were limited in what they could do, kind of retail. Well, Kirshner's really good. It's yeah, really just a matter it's of Empire Strikes there's, Back here. Yeah, there's a, there's plenty in that that's really solid. But yeah, right, right. Um, anyway, so that was the end of our Bond marathon wild, too, yeah. and I, um, I guess we'll save it for news. But obviously, there's big Bond news yeah, <laughs> again yeah. here. Sure. But uh, let's uh, let's knock out if you're done with movies. Let's knock out some TV before we. Uh, yeah. So, but actually, before we do individual shows and shit, um, I just want to do a little Emmys segment. Um, oh, right on. Because okay. the Emmys did happen oh, yeah, since yeah, last yeah. time. Oh, we God. didn't we didn't do an Emmys episode right, because you know right. too much weird shit is going on. But um, <clears throat> if we were together and watching this shit, uh, you know, having a party like we normally would, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. hopefully we'll get back to next year. Um, this, uh, you know, this is usually the thing we base a whole episode on. But um, yeah, anyways, felt more earned this year than an Oscars <laughs> celebration will. Do you know what I mean? Yes, like it, yeah. it still feel like we could all still sit at home and watch TV, even as weird and as TV the world's really been. Hasn't but movies has been very much, yeah. different. So well, just to I'm just going to rattle off some winners, and we can talk about them as they come up. But um, uh, to Shit's start Creek. off with, that's it. <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> the, to start off, the Creative Arts Emmys, which happened the week before, um, you know, they're giving out a lot of the really main awards at that separate ceremony yes. now. And yes. so, like Rick and Morty won for Best Animated Program. It's such a great um, show. Yeah, it's so good. It's still so um, great. Last Dance won for Outstanding Documentary or Nonfiction Series. I was happy. Um, beating out uh, McMillions and Tiger King and these other ones. Um, I was so glad it beat Tiger King. I understand the train (laughs) wreck of Tiger King and the cultural relevance and how it happened right when it started. But like Tiger King felt like the train wreck we could not look at when we were all bored. And Last Dance, to me at least, and maybe it's just me being a sports fan, it felt like something that was saving us. Like like we were bored and then something good came along as opposed to something came along. So anyway, continue. (laughs) Just uh, anything. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Dave Chappelle won for the Variety Special, beating out the Jerry Seinfeld and the John Mulaney and all these other ones. Um, let's see. Uh, you know, that's that's a lot of the uh, the uh, stuff that happened at Creative Arts that people would uh, would know about. Um, and then moving on to the actual uh, Emmys themselves. Did you watch the show? The Emmys? <laughs> yeah, we uh, about like the back end, the back okay. half. Actually, probably about two thirds. So very, we missed the beginning. Very um, bizarre that that opening. Yeah, very bizarre because they they cut through his whole monologue. They were cutting to audience shots, right? <laughs> and with no acknowledgement of it for a while, Which is, yeah, like for ten minutes, swing, they're just cutting to audience shots, and clearly audience shots of people applauding and laughing that clearly we're not applauding and laughing to that joke. So it's weird because then you're leaving it up to the editors and producers to decide how funny we should represent the response to that joke, yes. you know? And, yes. and it's like, that's always weird because if you're, you show a certain amount of laughter that's not equal to the amount of laughter that really sure. applies to that joke, it's a very awkward thing. 
that was all very self-aware because they obviously get to eventually, oh, of course there's no audience, you know, and they yeah. show the place and it's just him, you know, basically alone. They had a couple of people there. That Would have been funnier on. if they had had three or four jokes that literally just showed still faces, like <laughs> right. always happens in right, the real right. Emmys, and he'd be like, oh, I didn't like that one, I, huh? even I, though it was a joke. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. I think there's more opportunity to make fun mm-hmm. of that than like try to do it on the level like totally. they were doing. I think it was a missed 100%. opportunity. Um, but that being said, once that started, uh, uh, the self-awareness and, and you know pulling back, they actually had quite a bit of self-awareness and, and fun little bits and stuff. Um, but uh, but really just to rattle through some things, um, you know, Schitt's Creek won so much. And it is the first time in, in comedy yeah, history that uh, a comedy won everything it was up for and won all of the big. I mean, it literally won every big award that you could be up for in, right, in comedy. Right, right. Um, you know, it won uh, just I, I don't have it organized. But uh, but anyways, it won pretty much everything. Best comedy, of course, or outstanding comedy. Uh, Succession won for outstanding drama, which is wonderful. I love Succession so much. And last year. Said, yeah. The only thing that it won was outstanding writing, and the the uh, if you go back to our last year episode, that was the that was the uh, prediction was okay. It's now primed to win best drama, and it beat out uh, Better Call Saul and Killing Eve and Ozark and Stranger Things and The Crown and Handmaid's Tale and Mandalorian, and so it's a really stacked group and still beat them out. Um, Watchmen beat uh, a bunch of these other ones for a limited series. Um, I, I was a fan of Watchmen, yeah. so I was. I, I think was that's happy with probably that. a good win there. I think some of the other awards Watchmen won for, I wasn't as into, but as far as limited series, I think I think that's great. Right. Um, Succession also won for best directing in a drama, um, and uh, and so I was just super super happy to see all the Succession wins and all the Schitt's Creek wins because I love both of those so much. Regina King won for Watchmen, that was definitely um, very good. Um, and uh, yeah, I think overall it was it was really positive. I think the the biggest I won't say upset, but biggest shock to me was that I don't know. Did you watch the morning show that Apple no, show? Haven't seen it. Billy Crudup. Billy Crudup won for best yeah. supporting actor, and he beat out like all kinds of other people. He beat out Giancarlo Esposito from Better Call Saul, uh, Jeffrey Wright in Westworld, Bradley Whitford in Handmaid's Tale, and then two people in Succession: Kieran Culkin and Nick Braun and so that was like a really heavy heavy category and even though it was supporting actor but like he's good in morning show a lot of people like him a lot but I think that was that was wild did that feel like a, a life achievement award to you at all <laughs> I, I know he's not that old <laughs> no no but he's don't not you at all feel like Crudup has, mm. has continuously been a he's chosen to be the supporting guy yeah. when he could have been a leading man at any sure point he, he looks like it yeah else. yeah and he's kind of been that guy his whole career, and he sort of emerged, at least for me, with Almost Famous, and then he pops yeah. up in Mission Impossible 3, and he, you know, right. he's just back and forth and all around. And, and Big Fish, I, that's one of my all-time favorite oh, movies, sure. and yeah, he's yeah. great as a Really wonderful, that. yeah. But I kind of feel like Billy Crude was one of those guys that like everyone likes, and when he won, I, and I again, I have not seen it, I shouldn't judge, sure, sure. but my, my brain immediately went to Sandra Bullock when she won for Blindside, <laughs> and she said, did I really win this thing, or did I just wear you guys down, which is one of the all-time <laughs> great responses, yes, yes, but yes. it kind of felt like, yes, he's good, and he's good in everything, yes. probably wasn't overwhelming in this, he's never really been like overwhelmingly he, he good. He might but, like, be the best performer in the show, but that it, okay. also is kind of 
a relatively i don't know right it's a good right. show it's a very good show but but i that's just where my brain went maybe that's yeah. completely off base again i haven't seen it i shouldn't say anything but sure, uh, sure. it felt kind of like yeah billy crudup you know we all like him here let's give him a statue 100 percent. um the only thing i'll say about the emmys or what i took away from it is that there were a lot of awards nominations and wins for two netflix series that i have not seen at all and i don't even know if i had really heard of them but they they were up for a lot um and won a lot um a show called Unbelievable and another one called Unorthodox. They're both Netflix series that that won uh, and did quite a bit. So I'm going to watch both of those um, because it sounds like they're very good. Oh, and uh, Ludwig Gorenson, who did, who's done a bunch of great score over the last few years, really creative uh, music score, but he won the Emmy for the Mandalorian music, which I think is great. I mean, that all that music is so fucking iconic immediately. So yeah, for sure. And also very deserved. uh, I, I appreciate him more after watching that sort of doc series. Little making of about. Yeah. The one where <laughs> yeah. they cover the music, like just all of so his nuts. thoughts on like, yeah, like the spaghetti Western thing and like uh-huh. the old samurai films of, you know, um, lone wolf and baby cart, which is something that Favreau also talked about where it's like him and he's walking with this child and he's yes. this warrior and they're just on the road. That's yes. like the idea and the myth. Uh, and I think they do that really well. And I think it's cool that he was able to blend that into star Wars music, uh-huh. which is much more heroic and courageous, you know, just right. riding into battle type of stuff. Um, yeah, it's totally super perfect. Super yeah, yeah. Very good. Um, okay. Well that's, that's really all I got on the Emmys. Um, what do you want to talk about? Some TV you've been well, watching? Yeah, we've been straight through The Boys. We're up to speed oh, cool. now on The Boys. And Did you watch the really second season? Uh, yeah, we're all I the way to... I haven't even watched the second oh, season yet. Wow. So don't, don't spoil anything. Yeah, yeah. Well, Let me yeah. tell you, this last In one. the next no, few days, um, I'm going to start it probably. Well, there's there's one left for this season if okay. they're doing got eight it. again. Yeah. So they did eight in the first season. I think they're doing I, eight I think that's second. right. I think you're right. And now they've got season three popped up on IMDb as like, you know, official, I guess. Yeah, announced or whatever, yeah. Um, but man, that it's just sustained. It's really good. Um, it, you know, I don't, I don't know what else to say about it. Like I, it's kind of the superhero, uh, story that I've wanted for a mm-hmm. while now with all yep. of the kind of we talked about like oversaturation it. and yep. oversaturation of Marvel and stuff, not to say they're not good, but holy shit. Um, yeah. and it's just a great kind of answer to that. Yes. Um, and also man, very, I mean, this is relevant. This is kind of like, I'm not saying they're amazing movies, but when you look at Chronicle or when you look at Bright, what was it, Bright View? What was uh, uh, Bright Star or something where the kid's being raised by, remember the uh, young superhero right. kid and he becomes a villain? It's, Bright um, Burn? Bright, Bright Burn. Burn. I think it was, what it was called, yeah. When you look at those, I mean, that yep. is kind of the thing, right? Where we say, well, power corrupts, you know, absolute mm-hmm. power corrupts, absolutely. Like, could we, could we really rely on any of this if there were yep. people rolling around? I mean, we love to have heroes and I'm all for the mythology of heroes. Sure. Obviously, I'm a Star Wars nerd, but um, but this is one of those things where it's like, yeah, this is what you would really be deal- dealing with. And also the PR aspect being woven <laughs> so, in. So and I know I'm yeah. late to the party on the whole thing, but sure. that is what takes it from, oh, it's just this scary, you know, superheroes, what could be. Right. Um, which Watchmen touches on, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's sure. not, you know what I mean? As much as that's about something else. But this taking that angle and adding that layer of mm-hmm. comedy and sort of the world as it is now where everything is on social media. The corporate influence. To me, oh, yeah. So that's good. what makes yeah. this something special. Yes. Um, but yes. the core of it is, you know, relevant. And, of course, that's something that's intriguing. Then it gets to that next level with the the – I'm going to probably talk about this uh, in a bit when I talk about some of the shows I'm watching. But the the concept of of nailing 
um, individual characters so much that you like them oh. and identify, maybe not identify, but you really, you really absorb them immediately as, uh, people that you like, uh, even the bad ones. Um, oh, the, yeah. and, and this show, the boys is so good at that. Like everyone pretty much immediately you're like, yeah, I want to watch these people over and over. And so many shows nowadays don't nail that they put together <laughs> like i think discovery star trek discovery is terrible at that and i think yeah, that's I why agree. it was really poorly cast um it's it's just a group of people that are all working really hard acting really hard and it you know it's not all poorly written but i have a lot of problems with how discovery is written but right. it's been three seasons and i look at that crew and i go like i don't care about them we've talked yeah. about this i like no, saru right. i right. like pike that's it. Yeah. There's the like a dozen other people where I'm like, if they wrote them out entirely, I wouldn't even care. They're not important to me at all. And then you, you have only not the, care. You're kind of annoyed when they come. Absolutely. On. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And then you have the boys where it's this diverse group of people all doing different things. And like almost all of them, I'm like, yeah, I thought this is good. This Dude, is a good character. Anthony Starr as Homelander. Yeah. It's, it's, they, you know, I, I talked about this. There there are certain shows that don't really deserve the level of performance that they get. And it right. just makes them better for Interesting. it. Interesting. But yeah. like it, when you look He's at very when powerful. they have close ups on his face and they hold it on his face and you see he's, him acting to the crowd also in a way that's empty. scary. <laughs> oh, he's terrifying. That, but that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. it's not. He could play it just scary, and it would be effective. And he could play this sort of, "Hey, good for you. You're right. the real heroes," and that would be effective. And then when he turned the corner, he could be an asshole. He does both, both. at the same time. Yeah. And and that is not something that's easy to do. And you can see it in the twitch of a lip, yeah. where his face is is yeah, well, like a, a psychopath. Him, a news camera. <laughs> oh, but he, but it, dude, it's so believable. Yes. I, yeah, yeah. I just think he deserves more credit than than he's ever going to get i mean the, the only thing i can think of offhand just off the top of my head is like we were talking about before with dave where it's mm-hmm. just like wait a minute some of these performances should not be this, this good, good yeah. like what's going on like, right. and they don't need to be by right. the way the show is fine and works without it but it's just sure. another level also we've talked about this a million times but man elizabeth, elizabeth shoe <laughs> come on god damn. I, know. I mean i know i know i know you know she's know. just i don't know what to say yep. uh, uh beyond that um let me just say and this is not i'm not going to get specific i promise you i'm not going to spoil anything okay but, please don't yep. um but you are going to enjoy like you talked about oh i like each character when they pop on in the continuation the places they go um with uh the deep Oh, the sure. Aquaman character. Is, the the places they go in season two <laughs> is better okay. than season one. I mean, the whole time I, I really was kind of like, yeah, I was like, I'm enjoying yeah. this. And this is a wrinkle I never would have predicted. And it's kind uh-huh. of a side story. But at the same time, I was like, how long can they keep this going without me? And that's from season one, like everything right, you've right. seen. How long can they keep this going with me caring? They definitely keep whatever nice. they do it. They the way they go with him, you're yeah. gonna enjoy. Um, and there's some great stuff we got to talk about once you see some. Sure, two. sure. So that's the boys. Um, yep. which again we just crushed through. We're cool. still watching Lovecraft Country. I still have okay. the same thoughts you do. I gave, I think I gave the up pilot on it. Yeah. amazing. But yep. right now, especially um, the, the last two episodes. I would say are probably my favorites outside of the first one. Oh, really? Still not at that level. They're still in the camp of the other ones. They're not like that sundown mm-hmm. first one. Which yeah, was yeah, like, yeah. Work of art, right. but um, but especially with like Halloween rolling around, we're we're kind of in it. That's cool. Um, and, and we've continued with Lower Decks. Um, cool. 
I, uh, which I, I enjoy. I think it's fun. Yeah. I did want to kind of throw out, um, and this is kind of random, but um, Next Generation, if anybody's looking for kind of a Halloween-y episode, do you remember the episode Conspiracy? From It's from season one towards the end. It's you a plot they me. never. It's a plot they never fully uh, uh, continue on. Like they could have continued with it, right? Where this parasitic thing is like taking over different uh, people in Starfleet and kind of taking over from the inside okay. out. It's a very spooky episode, in my opinion. If I had a top ten list of episodes for Next Generation, it's really? never fully explored. They leave it alone after that, and they mm-hmm. leave it. And it could have been something expanded, almost like uh, Deep Space Nine, very interesting. Shifters. Yeah, yeah. But um, really cool, really creepy terrified me as a kid one of the Uh episodes i remember sitting up at night and watching as a kid and being like do i like star trek like it it was really like frightening to me but i uh i popped it on the other night for jess again just kind of in the spirit of halloween Uh and if you're looking for something like that and you're a star trek fan revisit conspiracy it's 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 clearly still season one for next generation and a lot of stuff is they don't know where they're going yet but it's a fun one um the only other thing i wanted to mention for tv other than what you got is, uh, did you watch Saturday Night Live with Chris Rock? So uh, uh, I fell night. asleep last night watching it, and so I definitely didn't finish it. But I watched right. the opening, and I watched probably the first two uh, sketches. Okay, um, the, so well, that's I, all I, I wanted to talk of, about anyway. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't. The rest of the episode doesn't matter. <laughs> the, the opening, um, yeah. the, the opening uh, <laughs> sketch. Uh, it was so good. I mean, I yep. know some of this stuff is just therapeutic because of like <laughs> what, what's really sure. happening in the world, but. My God, to be able to like this is the this is the truth of comedy, right? And this is this is why comedy's so important in the world. I mean, yeah. you have to laugh through stuff, especially when it's bad. And um and it was great. And Jim Carrey being on there was fun and thrilling and ridiculous. And right. obviously everything with Trump is funny, but um in a frightening way. But uh then the opening monologue with Chris Rock. I got to say, man, I just thought he nailed it. Like coming out and talking about how, and I'm not saying let's break down the government. I still believe in the promise of America completely. Um, But, uh, (laughs) but his whole thing of like, we decided no Kings, you know, we were like, (laughs) and then we got a shitload of Dukes, like rich ass Dukes making that have no term limits, staying forever, making decisions for all the poor people. And when he said it like that, I was like every now and again, usually a comedian hits something on the head. That's so obvious. Right. But also so, so truthful that it's yeah. like a lightning bolt. And I was sitting there and I was just like, God damn. Well, like, sometimes that is people need a reset, fantastic. you know, just like a, yeah, a, you gotta hear put it. the needle back in the middle kind of thing. And that's that's uh, that's what those types of phrases do in your head. Oh, man, it gives yeah. you. Uh, yeah. Kind of a reset. Anyway. But uh, yeah, I totally agree. I thought it was great. Really Check good. it out if you can. Yeah. Really fantastic. So anyway, what you got? For um, TV? Very good. Well, there are a few new shows that just started. And I'll kind of rattle through them. But um, HBO had two shows uh, premiere a couple of maybe three weeks ago that I've been watching pretty religiously. Um, The first one is The Third Day, which is a British show with Jude Law and Catherine Waterston. And um, I I would really, really, really be interested in hearing your take after maybe the first episode because I'm only two episodes in and I really enjoy it. But I didn't at first. I was really, really hesitant about it. But it's this very eerie the third day. Yeah, it's a it's a definitely has some like culty religious background, but then it also has definitely a horror theming. Um but it's Jude Law kind of stuck in in the vein of like a, a midsummer going out to a place and being stuck oh, and that's yeah. kind of what right. I'm talking about that I don't right. like. 
but this is a little unique. Uh, I've never seen anything like it. It visually is very weird also. Um, and, uh, and it's definitely feels very British, but anyways, check that out. Um, another HBO show is we are who we are, which, uh, you remember the director of uh, call me by your name is an Italian director named Luca Guadagnino. And he has this new show, which is like, I think it's an eight part mini series called we are who we are. And it's a, and it is my favorite new thing favorite favorite new thing i think it's outstanding word um and it's uh uh basically about uh, an american family i think they lived in new york but they were it's an army family so there's uh, a, a teenage boy and his uh two moms uh who are married and they are both in the army and one is like a medic and then the other one is like a general and so okay. the mom I think she's a general. Anyway, she's very, very high up. And so she takes over a, a base, is the new kind of commander of a base in Italy. So they move to Italy, and it's this fish out, sort of fish out of water being in right, Italy, right. Um, but being close to art and, you know, all this stuff. And so it's really fascinating because it's mixing this, you know, military thing with, you know, Italy and not being in America, but you're on American yeah. soil and everything. Um, and, uh, you know, very Italian arty, arty show, but, um, right. but the boy is, interesting. but yeah, it's a very interesting concept. Uh, the boys played by Jack Dylan Grazier, who, you know, as the kid, the really funny kid with asthma from, uh, it, um, and then, oh, uh, and then okay. he was also the kid with crutches and Shazam. So like he steals these <laughs> yeah. movies. Yeah, like good. he is the kid in these movies where like, ah, oh, that kid, he's going places. Right. And so he's in this as this like, you know, kind of troubled teen, and uh sort of and he's just wonderful super wonderful wonderful show um fargo just started with chris rock as the star of this new season which is an anthology show so every season's different but it um so far is good i don't love it compared to some of the other ones i think it might end up being maybe one of the lesser fargo seasons but it's hard to tell. It's brand new. Um, I need to give my mom a shout out real quick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because um, she she gave Fargo a shot. And yeah. I don't think my mom, I know she watched it. I don't think she even really remembers the movie Fargo, which oh, okay. doesn't really sure. matter with it the show. But, yeah, yeah. But, um, but, I, but I think I remember her like kind of being like, I don't really get it, like to yeah, the movie sure. Fargo. And then she was like, hey, did you see the previews for Fargo? And I was like, uh, you mean the show? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, uh, yeah. Um, I was like, you know, it's the same thing you said. It's an anthology. So, you know, I, yeah. I, you haven't seen the other seasons, have you? And she's like, no. She said, but you don't need to. And I said, right. No, that's true. I was like, but in terms of like tone and stuff, yeah, I think like, you know, that's kind of where they're connected. And yeah. and I was like, I don't know. I was like, I'm not telling you not to watch it. Watch it. I, I'm not sure you'll like it. Yeah. And she was like, well, I think I will. And I like stuff in that era. <laughs> sure, and blah, blah, sure. blah. And it was adorable. And then she, the next day she was like, I didn't like it. I, I, I watched about 20 minutes and I, maybe I'll give it another shot. It felt like it was going to get violent. That was my favorite yeah, comment. Yeah. She said like it didn't. And she was like, it felt like it was going to get violent. I don't yeah. like violence. And that's perfectly reasonable. And she doesn't. And that's part of the reason I didn't think she'd like it. But right. it cracked me up. But at the same time, we had recommended very highly to her Shit's Creek. Mm-hmm. And she had kind of. Not fought us on it, but push back a little bit. And early on, she was like, I don't know. You know, I don't know. Yeah. And now she is just getting to season six. Oh, and wow. Loves that show. And and it was one of the most flag waving fans when it was winning sure. all the Emmys. She's a huge fan. She loves it. She well, Diane, you're not alone and, because it's really yes. like we're all in that boat. That first season, it was yeah. tough. A li- not 
it's not even tough. It was just that we didn't know what we were in for. And right. it was hard to gauge where these characters are going to go. And uh, by, all by out, the time think. like you're in the second and third season, you're like, oh, yeah, this is this is fucking right. masterful, right. even though it's such a silly tone and it's so kind of, you know, kind of frivolous in a way. But it yeah. isn't yeah. at the same time. I don't know. Um, well, love it. Sorry love to interrupt so you on your no, role. Not, I just not at all, man. That's all. That that's all good. So good. South Park did a pandemic special the other night. Which, oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I did so not know about they, this. So South Park, if it, presumably if COVID wasn't happening, South Park should have been in their next season already, like a normal right, season. Right. So I don't know why that changes anything because they're just animating. <laughs> and it's like I have no, four of them. No idea gonna... why that would do anything yeah. to their production schedule. But uh, they uh, did a pandemic special and it's a, a, a like a an hour or a little less than an hour. Okay. And so I highly recommend checking that out. I would say that this, this definitely falls into the category of South Park is always good. I don't ever dislike South Park. It's, it's consistently of high quality, but then some episodes elevate beyond that to um, another world (laughs) that you didn't know was possible. But again, it's just sometimes it's definitely not every episode. And this one I would say, yeah, you know, so, I mean, it definitely aggressively tackles, what's going on in the world. It aggressively tackles COVID and the president. Um, So I I definitely recommend it, but it also, you know, some of these you have to watch a few times before you really like feel the the weight of it. And that's fine. The low bar for South Park, like you said, is still quality. The high bar. Exactly. The lowest bar is still very good. Um, So also been watching lower decks. I don't know if you caught episode nine, which is, I think the most recent one where they go on the holodeck and recreate like, create a star trek movie yes, yes. i thought that was yes. really smart that's the like, one we just watched and the minute the credits and stuff started coming up i'm, I'm like an great. idiot i'm like oh jeff yeah. this is because this it's, is how the credits just and stuff, like and she's the, like no i get it <laughs> she's like i follow it like and it, it's not it's just like thank you yeah, for mansplaining like it's smart. actually not, not something smart. But, but, yeah. but sometimes there's you know when you know star trek really well there's references that sometimes yes. you're like i'm not sure if everyone would follow this like do sure. they you know do no, they that's know what's going on that's and but she was like yes of course yes i get it uh anyway super fun yeah uh I just thought that was really fun. That show's had a lot of fun explorations. uh, Sure, sure. In those episodes. Um, Well, very good. And then uh, we had a couple of finales of some of the shows that I I recommend super highly. Ted Ted Lasso had its finale. Um, Again, I can't, I can't, tell you enough I know, that I know. You more people have show. now told me that patrick it's you just, specifically will love you this specifically show. yes so uh I, you I have to watch it, it. and, I, will. and I, will. I know you will and then raised by wolves which is the ridley scott show also had its finale and uh very very satisfying you still finale. Love it? i do um there were probably maybe three episodes out of the 10 that i thought were kind of a lull towards the end maybe like six seven eight or something like okay. that but overall, um, it really did all the things. There, there were certain things that I wanted it to do with the characters and where it should leave us at the end of the season, if they're doing another season, which they are. Um, then it did them, uh, and it was very satisfying. And um, I, I, I really and, and Amanda Collin, who plays kind of the main role of this woman mother, who uh, is an android. Um, I hope she wins an Emmy next year. Just wonderful, wonderful. And I also right. incorrectly said last time that Ridley directed all of them. He didn't. He directed the first two, oh. like a lot of these shows. And oh, then it's yeah, been yeah. different directors throughout. That's but, kind um, of the way, right? Like you I think it is. I think it is. The yeah. Two, and then, right. Um, <clears throat> anyways, so that's pretty much all the TV stuff I got. But a lot of new shows, and there's a lot of new shows coming up soon um, to check out. So uh, I'll talk about those eventually. Oh, like tonight on Showtime, there's a new show called The Comedy Store, which is a 
a five-part documentary yeah. series about the comedy store. So I, I saw the preview yeah. for that. That looked uh, interesting. Um, really, so. uh, there's yeah, this is a good time for for TV. I think um, definitely. So definitely. unless you have any more TV, I'll talk nope. about a couple of news things. Let's hit the um, news. Bond moved from November to April, so that's a bummer. Um, <laughs> it's but funny because I've been asking this knew. last two episodes. I'm like, are they going to bring that back? Like, yeah. are we still? Is that still it, coming out? It hasn't happened. Movie. You're but not now hearing it anything. happened. Um, yeah. so, so let me ask you this. Yeah. Maybe you won't remember. Did did we we officially? I think the initial release release date was the end of 2019, right? It was November 2019, and then they bumped it back oh, pre COVID. I, I thought they bumped it back pre COVID yes. because yeah. they were like, you know what? It's going to be a summer release or leading into the summer springtime because we're just we're going to make it good as good as it Better. needs to be. We, we need we that extra a little time. more time. Yeah. Then we ran into COVID initially, <laughs> and it became uh, uh, again like a fall December or Christmas release, All just right. because you were sort of like, well. Um, that's the normal time we release it anyway. That's okay. Let's bump yeah. it back. Like we cannot recover our money unless we do like big full yeah. release around the world. And now we're back to uh, the next summer, April. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. leading into the next yeah. summer of 2021. Wild, and I'm right? thinking this is probably the longest we've ever. I mean, there's never been a Bond movie delayed like this. Uh, wow. This also extends Craig's, <laughs> Craig's reign as Bump Me Too so much, yeah. but. We, we've now he's now run for us from 2006 or five if you count when yeah. he started acting as bond and announces bond all the way through until 2021 and there hasn't unless you're counting connery with 83 which is an unofficial one in which right. case he's 21 years of bond right then craig is our longest tenure as a in bond years. now which is not in movies weird, but in years yeah because yeah. he yeah, hasn't yeah, done right. nearly as many movies as some right but, right well nearly he hasn't done as many but right, right. but it's been a lot of years as craig is yep. bond and it still doesn't feel like he's been bond as no he long feels like to new me he feels brand as new. like a pierce Brosnan. maybe because i was growing up with him i guess but i'm so, just yeah. like wow craig hasn't been around that long but he's been around for a long time i'm with so, you um, um couple other i can't m- wait for that to come out i was going to ask you if you wanted to try to rent out a theater which they're offering now for a discounted place to watch james bond and invite a couple of buddies Sure. Um, but now we'll have to wait again. So that's, that's off fine. the table. It's fine. Um, Fast 9 moved from April to May, presumably immediately after Bond made the change. They made the change because they were going to be uh, April. So I think that's good. And, you know, obviously, I don't know if that's literally the reason, but there's some there's some argument to be made that uh, something like Fast and the Furious, um, you know, kind of owes its whole thing to Bond or oh, to yeah. Mission Impossible or oh, whatever. Yeah. So it's yeah. just like. Come on, you know, just more so, more so, but yeah, just kind of moving, moving on. That is that. what they evolved um, to anyway, right? It went from street racers to really we are did. spy super exactly. agents that all can drive and shoot cars and fight yep. and we're supermen. But um, also <laughs> it's kind of funny if you think about it, um, that Fast and the Furious, uh, the only thing that could stall them and slow them down really has been this pandemic and yep. this virus. Like yep. nothing could slow down that series. That series was just firing on all cylinders yep. beyond anything other than Marvel. I mean, I mean it just had a built-in audience nine. and they were doing one. There's nine every, of them. And what their series now? are there nine? It's a world-building thing as well. Yeah. Like it's yeah. the only thing that has nine installments other than Star Wars or something like that, yeah. like Marvel – are cheap horror movies that then Correct. reboot after Bond 10 movies. and then cheap horror movies. Yeah, and that's it. Fast yeah. and the Furious has yeah. joined Bond in those big franchises. Yes. Whether you like who, them or not, like you knew? have to give credit. Yeah. So, um, Black Widow moved to May. So clearly, I'm it's going to be a big to summer that. next summer. Hopefully, 
Um, and uh, yeah, we may just have more. The great thing will be if we come back, we may just have more than we could have ever imagine. Well, that's fine with me, man. Right, so that's good. Um, Tom Cruise is set to go to space in October of 2021 with the help Saw of that. Elon Musk for whatever movie it is <laughs> yeah. that they're working on. I we don't know what that movie is. Of course, but, it's um, Tom Cruise shoot the first guy to shoot in space for a movie. I mean, you know, it's a very curious thing. I'm sure we'll learn all kinds of things about it, but you do wonder. It's like, okay, he's going to go to space, and that's a big deal to prep that one civilian to go to space. <laughs> with the help of you know spacex or whoever but like you're making a movie movies have crews of hundreds and hundreds of people so even if you pare it down like has been common in covid where i'm showing up to do sound and then there's a dp Mm -hmm. and it's just two people there that's still two more people and even if you pare it down again and you go okay well maybe we'll maybe there won't be need for any sound or maybe the dp will have the ability to run sound enough uh that's still another person i don't know how they're going to do it maybe he'll go up and be with astronauts who are prepared to film it i i have no idea this is this raises the age old armageddon question is it easier to train filmmakers to be a drill or to drill into film (laughs) i think we're gonna get a real steven soderbergh type of thing where we're shooting this motherfucker on an iphone but you know what we're in space i think it'll be yeah that's an exaggeration but you're absolutely right i think there will be something like that um and What, what an idea though and honestly what a piece of the Tom Cruise legacy, like whatever you may think about him, like yeah. no one gives more to their movies. In my opinion, um, sometimes almost feels like as a as a big, you know, media hype. Uh-huh. But still, but still, no one is willing to do the stuff he does. So mm-hmm. him going to space feels right. It feels like the right person. If someone was going to go to space and yeah. star in a movie, yeah, yeah, it yeah. would be Tom Cruise. And I'm also not, still not very Vince excited for Mission Impossible. 7 and 8. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> You gotta please pick let right him go person. star in this movie right after we say this. Please right let him person. just be rattling off. Do I want to go to space? Am I really going to be safe in space? I mean, I'm, I'm down to wear the suit. It'll look really cool. But do I really want to go? What are, what are the side effects? What's going to go on? Am I, am I too tall? Am I too tall to fit in the capsule? That's um, good. We get That's some good. great rambling. I love it. Um, so uh, Tenet is up to 307 million worldwide, which is a good number, but it's not – you know, a ton. Um, they had a two hundred million dollar budget. So this is a this is just, you know, an indication of what's to come that this couldn't mm-hmm. really break. I think they probably needed, you know, five hundred or something to really break even on the marketing. Everybody's cutting their things. losses right now. But um who knows how much it will make, uh, because it's all about how long it stays in theaters and if it gets a second wind at some point. I mean, if LA were to open theaters which are still closed. But if LA were to open theaters, I think a lot of people would go see Tenet. And I think it would get a big jump just from one city. Um, yeah, but uh, we'll see. Um, we talked a lot about Tenet. We had a whole mini episode on Tenet. We did, um, yeah. If you're curious, check out that separate episode. Yeah, so you can definitely listen to that. And uh, I had a bunch of other things I wanted to talk about. I know today, you did say that. Do you don't want to? <laughs> <laughs> I got through this morning and I was like, do I want to launch back? Because, you know, it's going to be. I told you rambling I for no 30 minutes <laughs> and I don't think anybody else will have any other ideas. I, I will just say one, sure, one thing. I, I'll boil it down to one thing. Um, cause we talked about, uh, John David Washington and you had uh-huh. the same thought as Jess did and, you know, yeah. kind of white bread. I was thinking about it and I was like, you know, Nolan's films pretty regularly, as much as he probably developed Batman more than we'd ever seen character mm-hmm. development in that thing, his movies are plot driven, you know, mm-hmm. or even concept driven, mm-hmm. um, 
and Dunkirk was a different thing than even his other movies. Yeah. But obviously, with those you're just thrown in, there is no character development. Everyone's doing a job, and that's all they are. They're trying to survive. Yeah. It's almost like animals. Um, but I, I would just say, in defense of all the actors, because I was actually complaining about some of the performances, too. All of the characters in this are underdeveloped, and I think in Nolan films, that's a kind of a regular thing. Mm-hmm. I think they're sort of archetypes, and I'm fine with that. Um, mm-hmm. But but we're, I think he was supposed to almost be white bread, and you're projected onto him because he's you know the whole time he's kind of moving through this, not knowing what's going on, yeah. and figuring out as he goes. And I almost look at him as an avatar. I could be wrong, but what I didn't think about when I first watched it, and what I think now, and maybe I'm just trying to defend him, but. I look at him almost as like the avatar taking us through this bizarre world where it's almost like playing a video game where we're just kind of projecting ourselves on him. And yes, that that argument breaks down a little bit when he's supposed to be so cool and he's this agent that's a killer and everything. I get that. But I've always felt this way about Luke Skywalker in Star Wars. And he is legitimately white bread. I mean, he is yep. like the yep. most base character. Yep. But but I've never considered that a flaw. Like, if people wanted to pick that movie apart, I think you could with that. Mm-hmm. Like, I think one of the big complaints you could say is, like, look how charismatic Harrison Ford is and look at Carrie Fisher and how great right. she is. And then Mark Hamill, as great a character actor as he is now in that, is just playing the Super farm boy basic. who yeah, dreams yeah. of something bigger. And, yes, he achieves it, but it has nothing to do with his character acting. It's like right. that's his mission. But to me, he was always, from when I was a little kid to now, this thing that we attach to. And and I think there, it's a good formula, in my opinion, to have someone who is very basic and plain moving through a world that is bizarre that you haven't seen before that mm-hmm. is going to throw you off kilter a little bit. I think it centers it a little bit more. And again, I don't know if that works for Tenet the same way. I, I'm just the connection happened in my head it's a good uh, over point. the last yeah. couple of days. And I started yeah. thinking about it. And I, I also think, by the way, that that is what would have been great about Ray. Um, Because it doesn't matter if this is a guy or a girl. And we've talked about this, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's always been primarily male and and white people. Right. Uh, Shouldn't matter. But I think Ray started off that way. And ultimately, where that whole second trilogy or third trilogy failed is that... One in them tying her into obviously her bloodline, which again is less democratic, is less Star Wars. Yeah. And it's what they did in a way with Luke later too, with him being Vader's yeah. son, but instead yeah. of just this farm boy that dreams of something more. But also, if those movies had existed as their own series in the Star Wars universe and hadn't existed as part of a saga that already had established rules, which we mm-hmm. talked about again at great lengths, then once again, you're not destroying what you've already done by having her be almost supernaturally powerful immediately. Because when you look back at those now, and again, we've talked forever at this, when you look back at those now, the way she masters things on the timeline she does sort of makes Luke irrelevant, which is the first hero and should be like the main hero of the series. And then also makes uh, Anakin, whose whole downfall happens because he can't keep those around that he loves alive. Well, she can just bring somebody back to life. So as much as those were always kind of problems, when you consider them with what they're continuing, it becomes mm. like a much bigger problem for like all of the heroes of the other stories you've you've had. Sure, sure. I'm sure. not trying to launch us into a whole other Star Wars thing. I just I, that was the connection I made along with. Tim. I, so I, I think, think that saves it a little bit for me. You know, these are really good points, but I I do think that you know, like with the Ray comparison, Ray Daisy Ridley is a very good actor, I would say. And she's new and she hasn't been in a lot, but she's, she's a very capable actor. And I think she does drama really well. And I think that she played a very good young person, you know, wide eyed young person. And John David Washington, I'm not even saying he's not 
saying he's not capable of it, but I didn't see it. There was no, there was no kind of um, uh, a, a glimmer of of uh, a kind of a real you know strong performer in there. And I, yeah, it's mm, probably right. just that he wasn't given much to do. Um, but uh, there is there is a there is a thing where. Um, this even happened to me with Chris Rock in the new Fargo, even though it's only been one episode where you go, okay, you've cast someone in the role for reasons that are probably outside of purely what their talent, where their talent lies. John David Washington is Denzel Washington's son. I I hate to say it, but you know, nepotism is huge. And there's, there's a reason that you cast, you know, uh, Denzel's son and then there's another reason why you put Chris Rock a comedian but he's acted a bit but Chris Rock in Fargo because that's that's interesting casting I really like Chris Rock a lot but there is as you see them perform what is actually on the page once they actually got there and had to do it you go "Eh, okay (laughs) you know right and and that's how I felt about John David that's how I feel about Chris Rock and Fargo so far um that uh that the product is going to be held up by the people around him not not that person yeah Uh, which is unfortunate because they're the lead you know right I don't know and I'm outnumbered on this and I'm not I'm not on like a soapbox saying everyone else sure, is wrong. Sure. I just, these no, were thoughts make, I had. You make good I points. To, I'm with yeah, you. Throw them in there. Um, so. The last thing I want to say about news is, and you kind of already mentioned this, but you know, some of these theater chains are allowing private parties to happen. And I just noticed that Alamo draft house in LA is taking submissions and that's a really fun theater to, to go yeah. to. Oh my God. Um, and they're uh, rel- relatively small theaters and they have food and all this stuff. And so I think it's like you can pick from a number of movies, just mm-hmm. like we've talked about mm-hmm. with other chains. And then there's a minimum number. And, you know, obviously the cost goes down if you're inviting more people, but it's right, about what you're right. comfortable with. And so, you know, group, a large group, I mean, even if it's, I think it'll end up being many hundreds of dollars, but it's all relative. You know, if you get 10 people and you split it's it, the it's the really most not a relevant, big deal. It's the most reasonable it will ever be. It, it's very reasonable. Like if you're yeah. looking for a silver lining, and this is why I'm so interested in doing this. Yeah. If yeah. you've got a group that you're comfortable bubbling with, and yes, I'm not correct. saying now you're with a hundred different people, No, no. but yeah. you can now go and do that and have that yeah. experience once if you want to. Yes. And it's something I would probably be very much interested in. Yeah doing just We've because kind of done this sort of thing you know with friends screening rooms mm-hmm. and at sony mm-hmm. and stuff before so, so i think we should revisit this again um but they they are taking submissions so you kind of just f- submit your name and what day you want to do it and yeah and then they someone calls you so i guess right um so we should talk about doing that yeah and um, the seven of you that are listening you're all yeah. invited it's probably <laughs> it's probably 10 want. it's probably 10 yeah, um, we got double digits <laughs> for sure no way we don't yeah um um, so let's, <laughs> let's go through some upcoming stuff. I'm going to rattle off some things that I've seen trailers for upcoming stuff or stuff that's out right now. Um, a movie that was supposed to be in theaters that is now video on demand, which I haven't watched yet, but I plan to this week is antebellum. Um, that was, a, I think a oh, house okay. movie, but it yeah. had great trailers for a while mm-hmm. I remember. Uh, where it seemed like it was going morphing back and forth between, you know, Southern slave era and yeah. then Intriguing, modern day. Confusing. Right. I have no idea what it's actually going to be Janelle but, Monet, um, I think Janelle, uh, yeah. uh, who's a great actress by the way yeah, and she's really good uh, antebellum is out uh, there's a docu-series on Apple that just started yesterday in the vein of planet earth 
called Tiny World, and its focus is on small, like, animals and environments, like, really, really tiny shit. And so, uh, of course, Paul Rudd is narrating. Um, This is great. great. So that's on Apple starting this week, and I think they have a bunch of different docu-series that are just about to come out. They're kind of rolling out these, you know, beautiful things. So so that's just out. Uh, In a few days, uh, we get, uh, did you know, a Right Stuff narrative series? On yes, I've seen that, and um, uh, that sounds I'm, good. I'm there. I'm intrigued. I honestly, I feel like I don't know if you ever saw that movie. I feel like the show could be superior to right. just in the the amount of time you now have to explore. Exactly. The, exactly. And like I've always thought, Band of Brothers was the much better version of Saving Private Ryan, and that's yeah. not a knock on that movie. But if sure. you're going to give us the ultimate. World War Two scenario, then that's it. And I feel like right stuff, same thing. It's prime for that. I think I'm very excited for that. That's in a few days, October 9th, October 15th. Star Trek discovery starts up again. That's exciting. Even though I don't even, I don't always love it, but yeah, it's like in two weeks. Um, this will be the first time ever that I'm watching multiple Star Trek series at once. Isn't it nuts? It's nuts. And I'm keep in mind, I'm watching Voyager enterprise, uh, TNG, and then Lower Decks and Discovery. You're an animal. Um, and what else? Uh, they're all simultaneously. So, well, if Orville um, ever comes back, too, right. that'll be our other It'll Star be a Trek while. series we're um, Trial of the Chicago 7 is a Netflix original that was written and directed by Aaron Sorkin. And that's currently in theaters, but it's on uh, Netflix on October 16th, which is in less yeah, than Yeah, I saw weeks. just like a thumbnail so, for that or something, but I, did, I haven't seen the trailer. But, uh, um, but The trailer's good. It's got an amazing cast. Uh, and, you know, anything Sorkin, I'm, I'm in. So... Um, yeah, he only directed one other thing. I was thinking he hadn't directed before, but he directed Molly's Game a few years ago, which I enjoyed that oh, movie. Yeah, um, yeah, even though you know maybe not as good as a movie directed by someone else, written by Sorkin, but it it still uh, was was I good. It was good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, we get a new Borat movie, uh, dude. That was weeks. the biggest surprise to me. I guess his mo is you don't know about it till later. It's so good. But yeah. when that trailer popped up, I was Who like, "This is a, I think this knew. is a joke." And yeah. then when I saw that clip of him being the one yelling at Pence, which Thank I actually you. remember really right. happening, right? Um, I was just like, "Wow, he's really That's at great. it again." And he's just well, you can't Borat. Stop that guy. Subsequent movie film is the name, and <laughs> it is which I love. Is going to be on Amazon Prime Video on October 23rd, um, just before the election, on purpose, of course. So uh, check that out. Um, Do you remember that trailer before Tenet of Spiral? Which was, it it was really weird. It was Chris Rock and Sam Jackson, and then it was Spiral from the Book of Saw. Yes. Um, I was going to mention this when you brought up Chris Rock for Fargo, and you were like, oh, it's interesting casting. I was like, you know what else is interesting casting? Putting Chris Rock in a fucking Saw movie. Yep. Yep. Um, I don't know. Listen, we just talked about horror and being let. If you want to talk about a subgenre of horror that I'm even yeah. less interested in, it's the torture horror, the torture sure. porn. Me too. Um, I've never seen any of the saws. The, the, so. yeah, yeah, me neither. And even the first one, which I know all the twists now, so I don't think right, we have right, the same right. way. But, um, but if you want to talk about something that could potentially put me in the seats, I do think showing that trailer and me thinking it was something totally different until he picks up the saw, you know, right. that's left there to like basically that was shave nuts. his own leg off. I could not At that point, I was, I was like, saying. wait, what? <laughs> like, I'm still probably don't care but um but that you know was something oh that's really satisfying i'm 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 excited for something so weird even though i haven't seen the saw movies i don't plan on it but i'll see that just because it's intriguing um and the last of the upcoming stuff is you know because i saw this movie in the theaters last night um there were a lot of trailers for indie movies that i hadn't heard of 
Um, there is a movie called Yellow Rose that's now playing in theaters that looked really good. Um, there is a movie called Nomad Land with Frances McDormand that's uh, coming out in December that looks really good. There's um, a movie on uh, coming out November 6th. Again, these are all in theaters, so I'm like excited because these are all movies I want to see that are in theaters. Uh, a movie called Let Him Go is coming out November 6th, and it is starring Kevin Costner and Diane Lane in the 50s. Oh, and yeah. they're I like the grandparents of a kid that, you know, has kind of been taken by his mom and new and his mom's new boyfriend or whatever. And they're right, trying to right. get him back because it's their grandson. And it looks fucking really badass. I Well, I'm you know, this is one excited. of those movies that even if it didn't, I, I'm I'm just such a fan of both Kevin Costner both, both. and Diane Lane oh, God, that yes. they're like two of those sort of older like royalty that I'm royalty. just going to watch. Like if yeah. Robert Redford pops up in another yes. movie, I'll yeah. watch it, you know, right. even though I know he's his era is kind of gone yes, like yes. i'm just like yep i'm in so that's why that's that cool. movie what was the one he did old man with a gun that he yeah, did yeah was the, perfect that yeah. was perfect and that, this I, one same feels thing. Very i was like i'm similar. tuning in for this feels very <laughs> like, similar yeah so there's a lot of good movies coming out and that's just a, a small oh and then they also played the trailer for promising young woman which we saw that trailer play a whole bunch at the beginning of the year and then obviously right. it got pushed right. and pushed but that one presumably is coming out um which looks wonderful um that's with uh, uh, what's her face, um, <laughs> Carrie Mulligan. Yeah, um, man, she looks like she's gonna be great in that. It's, it looks great. It looks great. Um, so this leads us uh, to the end of that segment, and we could do some Rotten Tomato scores. But if you can indulge me to set up the Rotten Tomatoes section, I did, which is relatively small this week, is that I saw this clip online randomly the other day of Taika Waititi playing or like introducing Thor Ragnarok. I think it's like a Blu-ray <laughs> special feature. And okay. I just want to play this little video um, because I just think that Taika is so funny. I, we all do. We all yeah. love Taika. He's great. But Talented there's funny. something so special about him that he just makes everything so uh, positive and everything that comes out of his mouth is just, it just like helps. <laughs> so uh, this is just a short little minute and something, minute and a half uh, video of him introducing Thor Ragnarok. And here we go. My name is Taika Waititi. I am the director of Thor Ragnarok. Ultimately, this film is about Thor Ragnarok and his journey to, to some outer space places. People often ask me, why did you become a filmmaker? Well, the main reason, just wanted to impress my mum and dad and to show them I'm not a loser. I don't care what you say. I can achieve some dreams, not my own dreams, but other people's dreams. I can get close to being J.J. Abrams, I know you wanted him as a son, but you got me. I'm sorry I'm not J.J. Abrams. They say, ah, oh, Tiger, we wish we called you J.J. Abrams. Would have been so much cooler. You'd have done Star Wars. Well, I didn't. All right, Mum and Dad, I didn't. You're stuck what with me. <laughs> okay, now, down to the nitty-gritty. Why did I make this film? For a kudos and followers on Twitter. What I really wanted to do with Thor was capture the essence of Peter Pan with a little bit of Terminator 2, a dash of Independence Day, a smidgen of On Golden Pond, with that kind of tone of beaches mixed in with My Fair Lady. Yeah. So I think we've achieved that at the end of the day when all said and done, the film's about some monsters, some explosions, pretty ladies, 
handsome men, there's a Hulk, then it's the credits at the end. All the names of the people who made it. That's what we tried to do, and I think we did it. That's what I wanted to achieve with this film. Full respect from Taika Waititi from New Zealand. Anyways, I just wow. thought that was super cute. Fantastic. And obviously, yeah. the He's whole so like great. combining all the movie. <laughs> He's an international treasure. He really, he really is worldwide superstar. Um, Anyway, so that leads us to I just want to do his direct directing features uh, Rotten Rotten Tomatoes score. Uh, So, do you remember what his first big movie was? Um, I mean, big, define big, but um, uh, the first movie that I I feel like I know that he directed is actually a movie called Boy. But I don't know if that's included on. I don't this. know if I included um, it. Um, but, kind of more uh, than indie. I think, the first right? one I wrote down is what we do in the e- shadows. Eagle versus shark. Ah, oh, eagle versus shark. Okay. Um, yeah, I remember this movie. Um, starring uh, uh, his uh, partner in crime, birds. Um, what is what is Jermaine? Oh, You're talking God. about Jermaine? Yeah, Jermaine. yeah, yeah, God. yeah, yeah, for sure. I yeah, I mean, obviously, he um, has a very close relationship with the Flight of the Concords guys, right, but him Flight and Jermaine Clement are obviously, yeah, they work on a lot of stuff together. So, a uh, big, big part of what we do in the shadows together. But so uh, this flick, yeah. I don't know how this one. Two thousand seven. I remember it, but I don't know how it did. I right. would, um, I would probably guess. I'll say critics. I'll say critics seventy four. And audiences, I don't know if audiences got, I'll say audiences 72. So 55 and 67. Oh, okay. So Ooh. pretty low, but that is really his kind of, I won't say breakout, but it was I was wondering if anybody liked that. Feature. Like, you know, when he's new and there's not like yeah. a crowd for him, I was wondering Correct, if people yeah. like this is just, because that was one of those little indies that's weird it was, from kind of that era. But it was also the same era that he had a lot to do with the Flight of the Concord show on HBO. Right. And right. so they were producing that um, uh, around that time or at least doing some of that stuff. Um, but, uh, so I was but way then, off on that one. No, that's fine. And then the next one was What We Do in the Shadows. What We Do in the Shadows has got to be. Um, I think What We Do in the Shadows for critics is, let's say, high 80s. I'm going to say critics... 87 and audiences 89 96 from critics Holy and 86 shit. from audiences so, okay so yeah. i'm in that really 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 respectable next up yeah i knew hunt, it was hunt for the wilder people oh god i have no idea i haven't seen this what um, what yeah, so i haven't seen this oh my god Patrick, so you gotta I, I see this movie i don't know i don't really have a i just idea. assumed i just assumed yeah um it's, it's, a, the one it's wonderful. It's, it's Sam Neill, and it's just great. Uh, just you know, give them to me because I'd be pulling them out of my ass. 96 like, and 91. Oh, God. All right. Well, Very high. Okay. okay. Um, Thor, Thor Ragnarok. Ragnarok, I feel like, was not only did I really dig it uh, yeah. amongst the Marvel movies, and I'm not a giant everyone fan of those, this. but everyone loved them. I'm going to say critics for this were 94 and audiences were 95. So 93 and 87. So very close. Okay, audience is a little um, I'm not sure why they're lower because that's so good. God, that was so fun. <laughs> um, See, I always wonder. Okay, so I always wonder with this if like your diehard Marvel fans who are there yeah. are so many now are so enamored with it being the same formula every time because all they when need it's is a the world. Off, like they, I am with like a Star yeah. Wars that when you're like you fuck with it a little bit even though it's great and it still works yeah. they're kind of like you know we had a serious thing going now you're trying to bring a comedy in. I, I <laughs> comedy. just always wonder we don't, we don't like to laugh dip. come on yeah like what what is this are we playing around or are we taking this serious this is Thor by God. I would say you're probably right I think that's that's uh, pretty but accurate, still but pretty great score any, um, even with that and most recently Jojo Rabbit 
Jojo, I think kind of the same range, man. I think uh, critics probably like, I'll say 88 again, and audiences, I'll say 85. With how big this was at the Oscars and whatnot, I'm I'm surprised to see critics were at 79 and audiences huh. were 94. I really didn't oh, wow. expect that uh, wide of a gap between the numbers, but uh, but that's yeah. also not the order I would have thought it would have been in. Right. I would not have thought audiences would have been that much of a leap over critics for something like not at all. Rabbit. Not and at I all. feel like 10 years ago they wouldn't have been. I feel right. like that would have been inverted. That's uh, kind of an interesting idea. I, that's about. why I caught it. I was like, that's wow. weird. And of course, he's directed a lot of TV, Flight of the Concords, and he did Mandalorian this past yeah. season. Oh, so. Man. Um, anyway, his Mandalorian episode was pretty great. Um, this is a weird little segment. Uh, maybe I'll cut it out. Maybe I won't, but I want to play this for you really quick. Um, because they're, uh, on the Star Trek podcast, uh, that I love, uh, Star Trek, the next conversation, they played, they play the trailer for the next episode each week. Mm-hmm. And so we're in the middle of enterprise season one. And this was from 2001. It was one of the first episodes of enterprise. And basically they, they always just find the YouTube of the trailer for the next episode. And they played this the other day and Matt and Andy were just like, what the fuck? And it's really entertaining and it kind of plays even if you're just listening to the audio. So let me play this uh, for you. And uh, remember, this is Star Trek Enterprise. Well, there you go. It began as a mission of mercy. People are dying and I can't determine why. Tell us what you know. We might be able to help. But became something more personal. There are lots of <laughs> inhabited planets to see, but I doubt many will be this memorable. <laughs> I can't, dude. First of all, but by the seeing, way, that's <laughs> yeah. Seeing go ahead, go ahead. that UPN, uh, <laughs> the logo UPN logo, just yeah. is like such a weird nostalgic kick for me. Sure. Not even of quality, but just sure. of things I watched. Sure. Um, th- I think this trailer is a perfect example. <laughs> Of how they they just did not, not know not, they don't where get it. they should they be did. going with yep. with Enterprise. I think that 100%. series more than any other, they were like you know we're trying to modernize it a little bit. Yeah, um, we're trying to almost capitalize on like the Buffy the Vampire Slayer era uh-huh. of like yeah. audio, like younger kids, and I just think. What a train wreck of just not understanding tone or yep. what to do with the show. Granted that, you know, Matt Matt was saying, like, you know, obviously the the people that make the show didn't cut that. The right, marketing department right. cut that. But it the fact but it that seems you're a putting reflection. it to, like, the pop yeah. song at the time, which yeah. is The Calling, Wherever You Will Go, is nuts. Just well, the, the song on their credits <laughs> is also a reflection I know, that's, of this. Like, that's and, a and I don't even good dislike point, yeah. it, man, no, as I like much it. as I like like a lot of people do. But all I'm saying is like you have Star Trek openings that are all very much of the same, cut from the same cloth. It could not and be more different. And then you have Enterprise. You know, it's been a long road. Well, and it just uh, feels like we're in a recording studio and it's a little too romantic in there. Maybe they lit some scented candles. I don't so know what's going on. Let me just say that what they posed to the audience of the podcast, they were like, all right, some of you guys got to cut some more versions of this. We need we need more more of this. So I made one and I made yes. it for an episode of TNG called The Price and they've been referencing the price quite a bit. The price is about um so Troy um is a Betazoid from Beta Z right. and she um you know is has partial uh, yeah empathic ability which and, are never useful. <laughs> yeah, right. She's not very good at it. Um but anyways, the price <laughs> 
is about another Betazoid named Devanani Rahal who comes to the ship and they have like a little love affair. And so uh, the reason I chose this for this edit is also because they've been playing sound bites from it quite a bit recently um, of this guy, Devanani Rahal. Anyway, so I played uh, that song, recut the song and recut the trailer from the episode, the price. So let me share this with you real quick. I don't know. And the reason I'm sharing it with you is just to get your, uh, your feedback, um, because I sent it to them to play on the podcast. So I'll let you know next week if they, if they end up playing it, but, um, here we go. It began as a mission about a wormhole. (laughs) Counselor Deanna Troy. And I'm Devin Ani Rao. But became something more personal. I haven't been able to stop thinking about you all day. An all-new Star Trek: The Next Generation. <laughs> Anyways, it's, fun. it's your fun. final shot, and also yeah, the voiceover. The, the yeah, very well done. Well, this, yeah, this it's needs it's to thrown be an together. Instagram post for movies I went, and shit, so I went people to, can watch. I, I think I might do that. I'm it's, serious. I, it, that's I went great. To, I went to Great Lengths, uh, you know, kind of drunkenly the other night at uh, midnight oh, to, to do that. It's so good. Uh, I can at, see you doing it and recording yeah. it, and it makes me happy. It brings <laughs> me joy. Anyways, so that's fun. Um, I think uh, I think that's all I got for right now, other than let's maybe do a hidden gem um, and, uh, yeah. and call it a day. Let's um, do those. Do you, do you have one for us? We didn't do them last time. Um, right. Let me look. I, I do have one. I know I you do. I just got to pull this bad boy up here. Let's see where my hidden gems at. Well, how you about I one? tell? Yeah, let me let me give you uh, a, a thing. So this is also a recommendation to check out a podcast called Team Deacons. I might have mentioned it in the okay. past, but it's a a podcast that I just started listening to. I know a few of our friends are listening to. It's a podcast from um, Roger Deacons and his wife James. They are doing a uh, podcast talking with a lot of other cinematographers and actors and directors, and so it's just a great movie podcast in general. Um, but they had Jake Gyllenhaal on the other day. Jake has worked with Roger Deakins on a couple of movies. Um, they worked with him on Prisoners. Deakins shot Prisoners, and J- Gyllenhaal was in that, and also uh, Jarhead. I'm pretty sure he did. Oh, right so they're talking about those, um, but really what I wanted to bring up is a movie that's really not hidden at all. It's just one that I personally haven't watched in so long, and it was so important to me for so many years, and I, I can't say that I've watched it in probably, you know, fifteen years at least. Uh, and it's just October Sky because Gyllenhaal oh, is yeah. talking about it, and he's like, yeah. "That's the one that started it." And when you think about it, you think that Gyllenhaal was around before that, but not really. He was sort of a child actor. He was acting, you know, right. sort of young. Right. But like, this is his big movie, and he's like, "I was cast in that at 15. And you're like, "Holy shit!" He was 15 in October Sky. That's yeah. nuts. And so, I, I think that's a totally. I just want to revisit gym. it. Yeah, because one, it's uh, it's a, a really good movie, wonderful um, movie, and a movie of like, if you boil that movie down, it's really just a movie of like, kind of that childhood hope. wonder, like coming hope of age and, yeah, and wonder, hope yeah. and hope, yeah. like yeah. looking to the skies. I would yes. say, like yeah. in a positive way. Also, yeah. we've talked about this a bunch, man. Outside of people who who are kind of like us, movies are a um, you know they're a medium for their era, and that's it. They're right. a disposable medium. So anything really from another time, if you didn't grow up through it, 
is a hidden gem for anybody that's sure. watching current movies. Like they might go back and kind of revisit that. And I realize I'm kind of the extreme of that because I'll throw out a movie in the thirties, but, sure. um, but yeah, great flick. Uh, mine is of a similar, uh, idea. I thought this would be relevant for right now. Um, did you ever see not the show, but the movie Dave from 1993, uh, starring oh, no. Sigourney Weaver and Kevin Klein? I know what it is, but I've never so, watched that. Really? Obviously a simple movie from a simpler uh-huh. time, uh, but funny, sweet, big heart, um, something that I think is very necessary uh, for yep. right now, uh, directed by Ivan Reitman. Right. Um, and uh, a good flick, man. Again, a good flick about American politics in, in a ridiculous premise. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, right now, honestly, it feels even more relevant because uh, of Trump having COVID. But uh, <laughs> And who knows where that'll go. Sure. But um, a good movie worth checking out. Again, it's a simple, breezy watch. Um, you know, you'll, you'll feel a little more optimistic when it's done, nice. even if it feels a little fantastic. That's a good so call, check man. out Dave, yeah. 1993. Yeah. And also, don't forget about the show, which is not going oh on right God, now. But so also, good. I still love um, so. Jillian Anderson just tw- uh, like posted a couple of days ago on all her social media uh, Jillian from X Files and stuff. She right. posted on everything. Um, I just started watching Dave. It's the oh, fucking greatest. She's like, so everyone good. needs to watch this show, and she's like, I can't believe how much I love it. And that's that's kind of the vibe. Once you start watching it, you get a few episodes, so and you're like, this is just outstanding. It's hard didn't, to didn't believe. you get retweeted uh, on their their. <laughs> we t- I'm sure we talked about it on the pod when that happened. I know. Yeah, just to, to recap, it was basically. The the finale aired and I watched it as it aired, like kind right. of in real time. And right. within the few minutes after it aired, um, the character Gata at the end of that episode was head bobbing. So um, and so I created that GIF like minutes after the show ended um, and I uploaded it. And then I tweeted the GIF just of, of him head bobbing. And, uh, and not only did I get retweeted by Dave um, on twitter but then gata also i think retweeted it and it kind of went so off cool. on its viral way and so what's funny still when i look up gifts from that show m- what seems to be my original gif <laughs> yeah. is there you know it's awesome. like i i don't i mean granted anyone could make a gif of a yeah, thing yeah. but i think mine truly is the one that yeah no kelly in, in the words <laughs> of the girlfriend from uh, john cusack's girlfriend from high fidelity you have now put something into the world you have become the artist you have stopped being the critic and you have contributed i made a world and creativity so, or a gif if you well want to be a real dick yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah let's do that let's be real dicks well um, one one last shout yeah. out i wanted to make uh to uh justice brother roy really yep. uh appreciated our our uh commentary oh that's cool um and also is is stunned uh and saddened that i have never seen uh better off dead Oh, right. Um, I haven't yeah, seen it either. Yeah. He's like, we, we launched like one. He was like, oh, great. And then immediately was like, you idiots. He like, probably so. assumed we had seen it. And this was the, the lesser known of, one. Of or course. Whatever. But because no, that's the sorry, one that Roy. if you say, oh, you haven't seen that. I'm well aware I've missed that. And at some point I'm aware catch up. Too, like, that yeah. is a movie that pops up the same as like Breakfast Club. And you're like, yeah, yeah this is one of those movies from the 80s. I did not think that about Wild Crazy Summer or One Crazy Summer, <laughs> one crazy uh, you know, or, or even Back to School, which. Um, sure, sure. Uh, which we forced you to watch. Yeah. Recently watched with Rodney Dangerfield, the brilliance yes, and total, yes. uh, total one off original. He's one of one anyway. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's all that's uh, cool. I've got. Unless you've got. Well, right. Gr- you glad you liked it. No, I think I'm good. We'll uh, we'll see you guys next time pretty soon. Maybe we'll do another commentary soon. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but God bless uh, America, everybody. Thanks, guys. Stay safe out there and in there.